on the Sunday afternoon of August the 14th, 2016, the day after Watford's opening day draw at Southampton in the Premier League, the programme shelves of the atrium were a peaceful place. Henry Grover, the father of the club, was quietly browsing. Suddenly, he heard a commotion. He looked up and saw George Cannonball Fleming, Watford's centre-forward from the late 1950s, bursting through the door with all the ferocity of a shot by George Cannonball Fleming, Watford's centre-forward from the late 1950s. The 64-year-old Scott headed straight towards Henry. Letting absolutely anyone into Hornet heaven these days, are we, Grover? Henry saw a wildness in Cannonball Fleming's eyes. It was a wildness he'd only previously seen in the eyes of Frank Barson, Paul Robinson and Valon Barami. Calm down, Cannonball. What's bothering you? I've just seen the latest arrivals. They're definitely not people like us. Henry wasn't keen on this kind of talk. Ever since he founded Watford Rovers in 1881, he'd been delighted to see all kinds of people from all parts of society become attracted to what he'd started. He didn't like the idea of anyone being socially excluded. How do you mean, not people like us? Aren't they Watford fans? Well, yes, but... Then they're definitely people like us. Is that all, Cannonball? Cannonball narrowed his eyes. In the late 1980s, he'd become captain of West Hearts Golf Club. He felt he'd risen above the terrace riffraff. Listen here, Groover. These people, they're... No, you listen to me, Cannonball. People arriving in Hornet Heaven aren't subject to selection by committee. If you love Watford, you're in. I don't care. These people simply aren't our kind. They're... As his mouth formed the words, Cannonball's face contorted with distaste. He looked like Diego Fabrini, being asked to track back. They're... They're modern youths. Henry tried not to snigger, but he couldn't help himself. Cannonball scowled. His eyes glowered. They reminded Henry of the Midnight Blue Away kit of 2006-7, but not in a good way. They promised trouble. Henry stopped sniggering. Cannonball lowered his voice and said darkly, You need to do something, Grover. I'm sure you wouldn't want there to be social unrest in Hornet Heaven. It would make your position as father of the club quite untenable. Hornet Heaven Series 2, Episode 2 Lads United Earth Season 2016-17
Henry went out onto Occupation Road to see what Cannonball was talking about. He found a couple of twenty-something lads sitting against the wooden hoardings of the brand new Hornet's shop that would open later in the week. They were wearing 2016-17 replica shirts, but Henry didn't mistake them for players. They looked far too unathletic and scruffy, even though he rather liked the way they were wearing the new shirt's little buttons done up all the way to the top. One of the lads was wearing a pair of Ray-Ban Clubmasters. The other lad had a hipster beard. Henry decided to introduce himself. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to Hornet Heaven. Whoa, man, that is like so old, isn't it? Henry smiled vacantly. I, uh, I beg your pardon? You is like totally one foot in the grave, you get me? Ah, ah, perhaps you only speak pidgin English. My name, Henry Grover. Hey. You disrespecting me, blood. Rayban started to get to his feet. Hipster restrained him. It's okay. Chill, dude. Chill, dude. Chill, dude. Nope, sorry. No idea what those words mean. I think what we're saying, dude is that the vibe here is totally yesterday. Sorry, that sentence ended with an adverb and a noun. I couldn't quite follow. Hipster shook his head and turned back to Ray-Bans. Dude, this guy's so old, I reckon his back goes out more than he does. Ah, safe, man, that's so old blood. He think he pull an all-nighter when he don't get up to piss. Nice one, dude. I can't tell if he's wearing alligator shoes or those are his bare feet. <laughs> Sick! The feds never tell man that to slow down. Only his doctor, innit, you get me? Ray-Bans held out a fist. Hipster fist-bumped him. Dude, you're totally the Archbishop of Banterbury. Man is the Buntasaurus Rex blood, innit? Henry watched them and thought back to the way Cannonball had taken against these modern youths. In a heaven full of several generations of mainly older Watford fans, Ray-Bans and Hipster really did seem to be total misfits. And so Henry arrived at the only possible conclusion. The lads needed full-hearted support from the community. Henry had a quiet word with Lamper. He asked the hooligan-turned-steward to allow the new arrivals access to the newly built gallery restaurant in the southwest corner of the stadium. Lamper got a sudden glint in his eye when he saw two lads in their twenties. Scrappers, are ya? Like a bit of knuckle, do ya? Ray-Bans and Ipster looked at each other 
nonplussed. The glint in Lamper's eye died again. He warned the lads to behave themselves in the new and incredibly upmarket dining space. Then he left. Mund out threatening, mum blood. Man ain't scared to be jostled, you get me? Henry's ear had begun to attune to the newcomer's language by now. He explained. When Lamper says he'll give you a proper jostling, he means something two-footed from behind. Ray-Ban swallowed. He'd only vaguely heard of Roger Jocelyn, but the name definitely put the wind up him. The lad sat down in one of the semicircular booths in the gallery. Henry had arranged for them to have the whole place to themselves, with none of the afterlife's usual elderly residents present. He wanted the new arrivals to feel as though Hornet Heaven could be their kind of environment. He didn't want them feeling they were in the wrong place, like Alessandro Diamante and a squad of footballers who weren't into cross-dressing. Henry chatted with the two lads to get to know them. He learned they'd been to Southampton for Walter Mazzari's first match as head coach yesterday. They'd enjoyed the away day so much that they'd stayed out all night before driving home. When the car had crashed, they'd felt they were going out on an absolute high. I was driving, dude. We were bantering to keep me awake. Classic away trip stuff. Top fives. Lists. Which list was man doing when you, like, killed us, blood? It was totally inspired. Watford players who are foods. Watford players? Foods? Get this, dude. Valon Pepperami, Booma, Anyanigalo. Henry looked at them. The lads seemed pleased with themselves. He thought for a moment. I see. So, uh, oh, how about Troy Bleamy? Ray-Bans and Hipster looked at each other in surprise. They hadn't expected an 83-year-old who died in 1949 to turn out to be a bantermeister. Or uh, perhaps Armand Abdi. Ray-Bans and Hipster laughed out loud, but Henry hadn't finished. Or... Quiche, Sanchez Flores. Ray-Bans and Hipster hooted. They held out their fists. The old man fist-bumped them. Emery smiled and thought to himself that Cannonball Fleming was wrong. These youngsters were a breath of fresh air. They would be as much of an asset to Hornet Heaven as the gallery would be to the stadium. He couldn't wait to introduce them to everyone else. Henry found Cannonball with his close circle of friends in another new hospitality lounge. This one was called The View. Henry took Cannonball aside. Those new lads won't be a problem, Cannonball. Out on their ears, are they? Good man. No, Cannonball, that's not what I'm saying. It should be. That type have no place here. Oh. Dear, 
I don't see why you have such a problem with young people. The new arrivals are the same age as Alman Abdi was. Alman was different. I say, did you have a man crush on Alman Abdi? Cannonball turned on his heel and marched away to the far side of the lounge. It's all right. I had one too. I don't know anyone who didn't. Oi, leave Cannonball alone. Emery turned. The voice belonged to Freddy Sargent, a cantankerous forward who'd scored at more than a goal a game for Watford Rovers in the 1880s and 1890s. He stepped forward from Cannonball's entourage. I'll tell you what's wrong with young people. They want everything to be a laugh. But why is that a problem, Freddy? Because we live in a very serious place. Hornet Heaven dates from the Victorian era, before the sense of humour was invented. Hornet Heaven must stay serious. Cannonball says so. Emery knew all about Freddy's tendency to hold conservative views in the face of what always turned out to be progress. In the 1890s, Freddy had even opposed the club turning professional. Henry knew of no other Watford player who had so consistently backed the wrong horse, apart from, famously, Watford's 2003 low-knee Michael Chopra, of course. So you don't want residents to have any kind of fun? Of course I do. Today we're going back to yesterday's Southampton match to analyse the new 3-5-2 shape. Wow. Can I come too? You know, just for the bant, like? Freddy stared at Henry. Grow up, Grover. Henry took a long, deep breath. If anyone was the problem, it clearly wasn't the new lads. Henry left the view and decided to take his good friend, George Catlow, to meet Ray-Bans and Hipster. The warhorse wing half had played in the same Watford team as Cannonball Fleming in 1958 and 1959. Henry thought it would be good to prove to Cannonball that different generations could mix happily. The four of them went and stood on the open terrace behind the goal at Craven Cottage on May 2nd, 1998. The game was hipster's choice. The sun was shining and Watford were about to win the Division Two Championship. Why come here, blood? Football's terrible, you get me? Dude, I want to do the pitch invasion properly. I was only eight at the time. I'm up the back of the terrace somewhere with my daddy. He wouldn't let me run on. But what man gonna do till the invasion? Man ain't beard up, innit? I know. Let's list Watford players on the pitch who are parts of the body. Boom! Safe! Wicked! I'll start. Steve Palmer. Peter Kennedy. Come on, George. Join in. OK. How about uh, Nigel Ribs? Ribands and Hipster Green. Their eyes quickly scanned the pitch, trying to think of more parts of the body. Ah! I've got one! Mooney! Ray-Bans and Hipster burst out laughing, 
Boom! Man think you win big with that blood. Wait a moment. Not so fast. How about... Johnson? All four of them spluttered and howled. When he'd recovered, Henry wished everyone in Hornet Heaven could have as much fun as this at matches. He resolved to find a way of making it happen. That evening, Henry went with George Catlow to one of Hornet Heaven's regular quiz nights. It was being held in the newly built Captain's Bar in the lower Graham Taylor stand. They stood and admired the swanky new surroundings. Very spacious, Henry said. Unlike the current captain's shirt after his summer holiday, George replied. Henry held out a fist, but George didn't know what to do. Henry showed him. Then Henry looked out for Ray-Bans and Hipster, but he couldn't see them. This was an evening for the established hardcore of stat lovers. Derek Garston, the 13-year-old programme assistant, was quizmaster. Cannonball Fleming was also there, with Freddie Sargent on his team. Are you ready, everyone? Here's the next question. Right. Listen up, Freddie, and concentrate. This is important. Who are Watford's six most substituted players of all time? Cannonball and Freddy looked blankly at each other. Meanwhile, Skilly Williams, in the next team along from Cannonball's, immediately raised a hand. It was a chubby hand that had saved hundreds of shots between the sticks for Watford between 1913 and 1926. Lloyd Doyley, Hyder Helgerson, Darius Henderson, Micah Hyde, Gifton Noel Williams and Tommy Smith. Cannonball glowered at Freddy. You idiot. How can you not have known that? Don't blame me. Substitutes weren't invented until after I died. Henry watched Cannonball and Freddy carry on arguing. He shook his head and said to George, too many people take supporting Watford far too seriously. Aye. I remember going to one of those supporters' nights at Bailey's nightclub in 1980 or so. Bloody hilarious it was. Graham Taylor and Tom Wally went up on stage and did a shawaddy-waddy routine. Shawaddy Watford, they called it. Wasn't it Steve Harrison who came up with that? Golly. Everyone will love it when Steve joins us up here eventually, unless he keeps doing that thing with the wardrobe and the paper cup, of course. Well, we definitely need something to help people lighten up round here. Got any ideas? I was thinking perhaps we should go and invite Cannonball and Freddy to a game with Ray-Bans and Hipster. There's an idea. What could possibly go wrong? Henry started to head across the room, but Freddy was already storming off out of the bar after his argument with Cannonball. And Cannonball's refusal of Henry's invitation was the most stubborn and joyless thing Henry had witnessed since Tony Poulis had brought his West Brom side to Vicarage Road almost exactly a year earlier.
Henry and George decided to leave the quiz night and go to another game with Ray-Bans and Hipster anyway, without Cannonball. The four of them grabbed programmes from the atrium and headed down Occupation Road towards the ancient turnstile. Suddenly, there was a shout behind them. It was Freddy Sargent. Hold on! I'm having a break from the quiz. And Cannonball, it seems. Which match are you going to? Man taking us to Doncaster away. February 2011, innit, blood? Blimey, don't remember that one. Why you going there? Whoa, it was only like the best away trip ever you get me from. Best ever? Really? Ah, oh, totally, dude. With full stops between best, away, trip and ever. Blimey, full stops, eh? That good? Freddy rushed back to the atrium to get himself a programme. Then they all went through the ancient turnstile to the Keepmoat Stadium. Within 30 minutes, though, all five of them were leaning back, arms folded, with their feet on the seats in front. Bored. Ho, hum. You know, the other day, my old pal, Johnny Allgood, was telling me about a typhoid attack he suffered in 1905 while he was Watford manager. I reckon even typhoid would be more enjoyable than this match. Hipster smiled at Henry. Despite the game, he was enjoying the company of the older guys. He'd been going to games with Ray-Ban since primary school, but some people in Hornet Heaven had been mates with their fellow Watford fans for more than a century. He was beginning to like the vibe. Swear to die, blood. This was the sickest away trip ever. Not because of the match, obviously. Dude, it's never the match that makes a trip special. To be fair, this trip was an absolute blast. Picking up all the other lads in my car, accidentally mowing down a pheasant on a country lane, trying to prise its mangled corpse off the front of the car with a stick, stopping at a tiny local pub, watching some old bloke wash his dentures in his pint. Major classic. Guess you had to be there. For a few minutes, the five men sat and watched not very much happen on the pitch. Then Henry tried to change the mood. Come on! Chaps, let's get this party started. Let's list players in today's squad who are... drinks. I'll start. Dunny Drinkwater. Stephen McGin, innit, like? But it turned out to be hard work. After a while, Freddy Sargent came up with one. Adrian... Marry Grapper. It wasn't particularly funny, but Henry was pleased Freddy was getting into the spirit. He held out a fist for Freddy. Freddy thought Henry wanted a fight. Hipster explained. They stared back at the pitch. Hold on. I've got another. Andreas Weedran. 
Henry had never seen tumbleweed in Doncaster before, but he was pretty sure he saw some roll past as they all sat in the silence. Freddy looked rather disappointed. A little later, in first half added time, a Doncaster shot hit both posts and went in. It was that kind of game. The good time gang gave up and ambled back towards the ancient turnstile. Henry felt a bit deflated. The trip hadn't been one to write home about or to tell Cannonball about. Henry still had no idea how he was going to heal the social divide in Hornet Heaven. Ray-Ban sat behind the glass of the brand new hospitality suite perched high in the northeast corner of the stadium. He gazed down at the criss-cross pattern mown into the glorious green pitch. Man don't want to hang out with them, man. Man, them's too old, you get me. Where them younger in this hood? Hipster sat down next to his mate. He was seeing things differently. He'd seen a group of people who were enjoying decades of rewarding friendship. He wanted some of that. Dude, I was actually thinking we should spend more time with them. Find out how to enjoy watching football their way, if that makes sense. They definitely seem to get a lot out of it. Man, don't roll like that. But dude, what if we need to change our ways? Man, ain't gonna change, you get me fam? Hipster sat and thought about what he and Ray-Bans had always enjoyed about watching football. He realised they'd always focused on the fun surrounding the matches. What Ray-Bans would have called a crack if he'd been pretending to be Irish instead of pretending to be Jamaican. They definitely enjoyed the crack in the past. But up in heaven, Hipster had started to get a different perspective on how they'd approached life down on earth. He could see they'd been at an age where they still wanted to be footloose. They'd been doing anything they could to avoid settling down, like spending hours in the car going to terrible football matches, like making lists of Watford's fattest ever players. Hipster looked out onto the stadium the change to its outward appearance over the last four years had been amazing. Over the summer, it had changed internally too. He reckoned he and Ray-Bans needed to undergo some kind of internal change too. They definitely needed to do something if they were going to enjoy their infinity in Hornet Heaven. Reluctantly, Hipster left his oldest mate in the hospitality suite and headed off to the captain's bar to join the quiz night. Last question before the third and final break. What was the exact age of the youngest player ever to be sent off for Watford? 17 years and 316 days. Nathan Chalabar. Skilly Williams had been renowned for his reaction time when he played in goal for Watford between the wars. He still hadn't lost it. Cannonball Fleming berated Freddy Sargent, who rejoined his team. You idiot! Again, I suppose you're going to tell me that sendings off weren't invented until after you died. Right, 
That's it. I've had enough of you. As the teams broke for the interval, Hipster spotted Henry Grover and George Catlow. He went over. Ah, there you are, Hipster. Trying to get into the stats side of things, are you? I'm trying, dude. But it's not really my vibe, if that makes sense. There's no need to rush into anything. You've got the whole of eternity to start behaving more maturely. In fact, we reckon more of us oldsters need to start letting our hair down. Hipster looked around the captain's bar. There wasn't much hair in evidence. He reckoned it was what a Gavin Marne lookalike convention would be like. George is right. You know, Hipster, I've enjoyed our trips with you and Ray-Bans. I've decided I'm going to be a changed man. From now on, I'm all about shits and giggles. George Catnow looked at Henry astonished. What the hell's that? Slung from 1881. Oh, uh, just uh, something I've picked up along the way. On the other side of the bar, Henry noticed Freddy Sargent having a quiet word with Derek, the question master. Henry turned back to George and Hipster. What's Freddy up to? After Doncaster, there's definitely some hope for him. But it's cannonball I'm bothered about. How are we going to get Fleming to lighten up and have some fun? On a night of difficult questions in the captain's bar, this was by far the trickiest. None of them had the answer. Attention, please. Time for the final round, with a slight change from the usual kind of questions. Cannonball Fleming turned to his teammate, Freddy Sargent. What's this about? Freddy shrugged. He pretended not to know. This is a creative round. There's a point for every answer you come up with. The first question is, which Watford players have names that are parts of the body? Cannonball frowned. He called out. What? Like Jamie Hand? One point to Cannonball. A smile broke across Cannonball's face for the first time in a very long time. Or Bert Schinner. Another point to Cannonball. Cannonball grinned. Come on, Freddy. We can clean up here. Jack McNee. A point to Cannonball's team. Someone else shouted out. How about Bedford Jezzard? Is that part of the body? No. Bedford Gizzard. I'll accept that. It's part of a chicken's body. I didn't say it had to be human. Another point to Cannonball. Ha! <laughs> I'm enjoying this, Freddy. I'm thinking Willie's now. I beg your pardon. Willie Falconer. Yet another point to Cannonball. Willie Rag. On the far side of the captain's bar, Hipster whispered to Henry, Dude, I'd say Willy Rag is more a cleaning item than a body part. Henry held out a fist. Hipster bumped. Cannonball couldn't be stopped. He was in a rich vein of form. He pointed 
at a certain portly pre-war goalkeeper in the next team along. Skilly Willie Ams! Skilly laughed and doffed the huge flat cap he always wore. Then Cannonball cupped his hands to the side of his mouth and yelled the latest answer that had come into his head. Adrian Bacali! It brought the house down. Henry turned to Hipster. Hipster looked confused. Back alley. Do you see? Hipster burst out laughing. Henry surveyed the scene. He really hadn't expected to see such a transformation in Cannonball. But it turned out that all of them had this sort of nonsense inside them. Henry looked back at Hipster. For the first time in Hornet Heaven, Hipster was looking properly at home. The following Saturday, the programme arrived for the next game. At home, to Chelsea, Walter Mazzari's second match. Henry led a small group of residents out of the atrium towards the ancient turnstile. They went past the curving glass window of the newly unveiled Hornet's shop. Henry was delighted to see that the shop's architectural inspiration was clearly the futuristic Hornet Heaven atrium. Glass and steel with shiny curves and sharp angles that had stood across the road since May 2013. The small group consisted of Henry, George Catlow, Freddie Sargent, Hipster and Raybans. Raybans was hanging back a bit. He hadn't witnessed the scenes at the quiz night. He still wasn't interested in hanging out with the old timers. Suddenly the group heard the sound of running footsteps. They turned to see Cannonball Fleming racing towards them. With Cannonball was another man in his seventies. Wait for us! Cannonball Fleming! Are you joining us? Cannonball nodded towards Ray-Bans and Hipster. Freddy told me it was these new guys who came up with the idea of having fun with players' names. Henry hadn't seen Cannonball look as jolly as this in a decade. Well... I hope you're going to contribute to the fun. Definitely. I mean, making lists is only a start. I'm thinking we should crank things up a notch. Ray-Bans moved closer into the group, interested. Cannonball said to Ray-Bans, Here in Hornet Heaven, you see, when you think of players on a theme, you could actually go and watch games with those players. What do you think? Safe! Man liking that! Hipster smiled at his best friend's enthusiasm for what one of the old-timers had said. And our idea for today is... Cannonball paused as his friend giggled. Stop it, Jock! You'll set me off! <laughs> today's theme is... <laughs> 
What for players to do with bodily emissions? Ray-Bans and Hipster laughed. George Catlow and Freddie Sargent giggled too. Henry wondered where this was going. So, gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my very good friend, Mr Jock Strain. Jock Strain, a hard-drinking Scottish wing-half who played for Watford between 1921 and 1927, pulled a face, as if trying to pass something that didn't want to come out. Ray-Bans laughed. Hipster laughed. And not forgetting, of course, myself. There was a pause. No one seemed to get it. The moment seemed to be turning awkward. Then Cannonball said, <laughs> Me! Cannonball! Fleming! Ooh! Flem! The entire group burst into laughter. Jock, Cannonball, Freddy, George, Henry, Hipster and Ray-Bans. Moments later, Henry watched as the group filed through the ancient turnstile ahead of him, laughing and joking on their way to the Chelsea game. He was delighted that young and old finally seemed to be enjoying each other's company in Hornet Heaven. As he stood there, he put his mind to wondering which other emission-themed players might join them today. A moment later, he went off to try and find one of the club's earliest professionals from the Casio Road days. Tuggy Beach End of episode two. The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be series two, episode three, The Great Escape. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wickham. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wickham. <laughs>